Hey everyone, Pratiti Pathak here. Welcome to Unpacking Brain Drama, where we talk about real life experiences, the challenges and the obstacles. Sometimes we use them to block ourselves. Sometimes we use them to grow and evolve. Here's what I want to say. Obstacles are not the things blocking our path. Obstacles are the path. So in other words, we have to grow through what we go through. So join me as we have some amazing conversations with some amazing guests. Hey everybody, I am Pratiti Pathak and I have an amazing guest with us today. It is Andrew Papp, who is the author of the last law of attraction book you'll ever need to read. And also three words I used to sell 100,000 books. Hey, hey everybody, really happy to be here. Really excited. You can tell me and Pratiti, we've, we've already been chatting before we hit the record or live button. So we're in this like relaxed drinking coffee, chilling type of vibe, but um, open we're, we're about to drop a couple of value bombs on all of you today. That's so awesome. It's the middle of your week. It's the middle of your morning. And we're just going to give you a little shot of Pratiti and Andrew this morning. Grab your espresso, grab your cup of coffee and uh, enjoy all the amazing things you're going to hear today. Uh, number one thing we're talking about today is both of your books, the last law of attraction book you'll ever need to read, by the way, the number one book that I literally offer to everybody, all of my clients get it. And your newest book, three words I used to sell 100,000 books. Can you share a little bit about why you chose the law of attraction and then what compelled you to write the second book? You know, it's so interesting. Um, Holding with the law of attraction, it was it was an, it's been an integral part of my life for years. And a couple of years ago, um, I basically had this this decision that I wanted to do something new in my business. We had to be candid. I didn't want to be bored or or apathetic or frustrated or impatient with um, my audience or my customers or whatever you'd want to call them. Like you know you know writing in and, and chatting it up with me, and I'm like okay, what am I passionate about where I will be excited about this? I'm like, oh, well, here's this thing I've never spoken about um, really publicly in this way. And then it's, it came down to the self-awareness of there's like a thousand books out there. So I have to make sure I'm saying something new, bringing something new to the conversation, and then just giving myself permission to do so. Obviously, it's got a very bold title um, and a bold promise within that title. And that was the challenge every day. Like I basically came up with the title and the cover very early on in the process and I would look at it, I'd almost meditate on it every single morning before writing another chapter, reminding myself of the intention of like, this isn't just something to put on Amazon and, and make a few bucks. And this isn't just something because like, I'm, I'm kind of, you know, casual about it, but more like I, the whole goal is really to turn heads and to make impact and to shift paradigms. And fortunately, the reviews have reflected that, but that's really what, what I was going after for the first book. Yeah. Um, well, when you're talking about the reviews, I'm sure you've gotten reviews um, from people who have read other law of attraction books, everything else about law of attraction. For me, it literally was the only law of attraction book that I had ever read. So for me, it was the first and last because I love it. And I, I actually listen to it quite often because the methods that you have in there are so easy. I don't listen to it as often anymore because I'm so familiar with all of your content at this point, but you have several different methods. And I think that what I found super uh, easy about it. Number one, I don't read it. I listen to it on Audible. So uh, if you're an Audible person like me, uh, definitely take a listen to it because it literally sounds like Andrew is just talking to you in conversation and just 
being your friend, like you're going for a walk with him and he's just telling you what to do. And you give step-by-step instructions. I think that's what made it super easy for me to do and to stick with it. One of my main things that I talk about all the time is like the compound growth and the like the return on your investment when you do daily practices every day, especially when you do them in small incremental ways. And that's probably, I think the biggest beauty about your content is that you teach how to and give instruction on how to do just small little five minute practices. And I want you to explain to us, and this is all about gratitude and being grateful for what you already have. So share with me a little bit about why it's so important to be grateful for the things that we already have in order to attract more abundance in our lives of what we actually want. Because I think so many times, well, actually, I'm going to wait for that second part of that question before I, I let you answer this one. Go ahead. You know, first of all, thank you for the compliment of, you know, having it be like a familiar voice when, when you know, you're listening to it. Um, just to kind of lead into the gratitude thing, a huge part of this for me, um, I haven't been like, you know, a teacher in the sense that like, you know, I haven't worked for a department of education or anything like that. But I have been a, a teacher in, in different worlds um, in the past. I've taught SAT. I've been a software trainer. In other words, I, I kind of bring to the table a certain understanding of human psychology and the way our mind works and the way our mind learns. So hearing you say that it's familiar by is like that was by design the the way whether it's the audiobook or the print or kindle or whatever the way it was structured the way it was designed was coming from a place of i remember when i was confused by all these books and i felt like i wasn't getting enough out of it and when i finally solved it i wanted to challenge myself to articulate how can i put this in a user-friendly simple easy to implement way and and that kind of brings me into this gratitude thing because the whole thing about gratitude is it's got a lot more power and impact than people give it credit for. And part of the reason for that is people misuse it. And what I mean by that is they hear that gratitude's this thing and assuming they're even adventurous enough to give it a shot, they're bringing in the wrong expectations. They are trying to force the universe to bend to their will. And they're like, okay, I'm gonna be grateful for this thing. And, and because I'm grateful for this thing, I'm gonna get my, the, my new car and my new house in 30 days. And then when it doesn't happen, they're like, what the hell? This gratitude thing doesn't even work. And the whole thing about this is gratitude is this very powerful thing. And what you're doing, whether you believe in the universe or you just believe in human psychology or you're religious or it's a combination of, of all of them or any of them, is through your gratitude, you are reinforcing energetically, vibrationally, and psychologically that you have what you want. And by hook or by crook, things happen. We can go into quantum physics. We can go into the power of your subconscious mind. We can go into the fact that sometimes if you really believe something, you'll actually go on autopilot because you've already made the calculations to get it. We can go into all that. But the bottom line is, whatever it is, when you are grateful for things, good things happen for you. But the key is not to be grateful as a strategy and as a move and as a manipulation, but really to be grateful for the sake of being grateful and the sake of feeling good, because that's the key to all this. The key to all this is positive emotion. And then from my own experience, my own perspective, not it's the only way, not that it's the only way. Is having an open-ended invitation to the universe or God or, or whatever your beliefs may be, an open-ended invitation for good things to happen based on the strength of my consistency. And that's why I say, you don't have to do an hour a day. You can do five minutes a day. And for me, in my life, and we can talk about the specifics, five minutes a day of gratitude has led to 
world changing, world shifting results that, you know, can only be believed when you live through them. Okay. So that is really good. And it kind of leads me into my next question. I, I thank you for that because every thing that we are grateful for, it just reminds us, um, all the things that are really good in our life. And one of the things um, that I, I noticed, um, not just with gratitude, but like we want things to happen immediately. It's kind of like, it's like we're going to decide we want to lose weight. We want to go to the gym. But after like, you know, two, three weeks of going to the gym, we don't see like astounding results. And right away, we just, we're like, it's not working. So we just stop. And what I like about your methods is that you literally emphasize that just do it for like five minutes a day. Just do any one of these methods. And the minute you aren't excited about it and the minute you're not enjoying it anymore, just stop because the whole point is to be enjoying it. But one of the things that I wanted to ask is we are, why, why is it that people are more focused, so much more easily focused on the lack versus the abundance. Like it's so easy. Why, like, why do we focus on the lack of things? Like when we think about wanting something, we're focused on the fact that we don't have it, which actually goes against the actual, you know, attracting it to you. Yeah. So, so this answer will be a little cynical and it's also regional. Because technically, like what I'm saying here is this is a cultural issue. So um, I'm looking at my iPhone right now. And my iPhone, like, you know, to be grateful, my iPhone is awesome. Like the things I do with this phone that, you know, 25 years ago, I'd have felt like, and I've never been like a Star Trek fan, but like this is out of Star Trek, the things I can do with this phone, right? But by that same token, Apple having to sell this phone um, and not just Apple the gap and you know lamborghini like whatever these these brands like there's a marketing thing where people are basically programmed through culture through programming to feel like if they don't have these things if they don't have the clothes if they don't have the home if they don't have all these pieces they are less than they are not valuable and this is actually a really important thing to understand because it isn't simply like this trick and the wool being pulled over our eyes it's a simple thing going back to um human psychology from an evolutionary standpoint where if you're kicked out of the tribe it's really bad because you're out of the tribe back in the day, what your body remembers and what your genetics remember is that means you're on your own fighting that saber tooth tiger. And that is not a place that you want to be. So there's an extension of this. If you don't have the new iPhone, if you don't have the nice clothes, if you don't have the corner office, if you don't have the trophy wife or the trophy husband, if you don't have all these things that lift up your stature and your status, you're you're feeling less than there's actual threat to your survival inherently that you're feeling even if it's not actually accurate this in my opinion this is one thing i mean there's a number of reasons but this bleeds over into the way we approach life and and a certain level of um to be less delicate about it desperation we're all living and i forgot who this quote is from but we're like living in this state of quiet desperation all day every day and that's what gratitude's to counteract it's this recognition of well even the things that i think are like hurting me and Apple's trying to sell me on this. I actually still love my iPhone and I'm still grateful for it. And it's about having that gratitude. And all of a sudden, when you're grateful in that way, um, the clothes that you want and the money that you want to get it will come, but the clothes you choose, it won't be so important anymore because the gratitude installs, I can't explain how, it installs a level of self-worth and self-value 
that you exude that you can't even put a number on, you can't put a price on, and you can't even put a description on. You just exude a certain level of ease and comfort and joy and gratitude and confidence and, and just a, a state of being that um, that's the thing that people end up being jealous of because they want it also. Yeah. Um, one of the things that you mentioned in your book, and I do want to, you know, I, I, I want to really emphasize this particular thing that you emphasize in the book, which is something that I have actually experienced in my own life, is when we have things that are negative in our lives, it actually gives us an opportunity to be grateful for other things. Like you give one example of like, you know, having noisy neighbors and then uh, reminding yourself that you have a home that has heat, you have food, you have, you know, it reminds you of the things you do have versus focusing on, you know, something that might be annoying to you or upsetting to you. And mm. I am somebody who has definitely gone through some negative experiences in my life. And one of the main things that of course comes to my mind is when I lost my son, um, I remember even saying that no matter what horrible things happen in my life, there are things that I'm grateful for. There was so many things that I was grateful for, even with losing my son and mm. around losing him. And I was grateful for, uh, you know, somebody else not being the person that hurt him or not being anybody else's fault. Like there were other things that I was really, really grateful for around that situation, which was probably and will be the worst situation that's ever come across in my life. Hopefully nothing worse than that. Um, but you really bring drive that home with reminding us that having negative things happen in your life are things to also remind you of what remind yourself of what really amazing things you have in your life as well. Yeah. And, and just so we're clear, I mean, obviously, this is my perspective of giving here and I invite everyone to have their own. But when I say like these are opportunities, I am not going to pretend that these opportunities are fun, nor at least for me personally, am I going to am I going to suggest that these opportunities are welcome? Mm. But they're when I say they're opportunities, I'm what I mean to say is, well, like if life is not perfect, then what the best thing I can do in my own self-interest is strategically do whatever I can with these negative circumstances to invite more frequent, more fruitful, positive circumstances. So, and I say that because I think sometimes people will mishear, um, not from me, but from any like, you know, self-help or personal development of like, oh, this is an opportunity to be happy. It's like, well, not happy about that, but what can I strategically use to invite happiness? Because if I'm having a bad day or if I'm having something that really is not pleasing to me, then the question should always be, what can I do in response that's going to enhance my life? So, Again, that probably even sounds a little harsh and cynical, but I'm glad. I, I want people to get, I want people to know that it's okay to, to be upset when something that they don't like happens. And I'm just saying, let's strategically do what we can in that upset, in that negative experience to make life better because you've only got one life here. And if you believe in re reincarnation, you still only got one life as this type of person that you are. So enjoy it in any way that you can. Yeah. And I'm definitely not saying that, hey, when negative things come along to take those negative things and make yourself feel happy about them. I'm definitely yeah. not happy about losing my son. But like I said, it is an opportunity to still feel grateful for. Yeah. And Bertini, just so we're clear, I, I realize you weren't saying that either. Um, yeah. I just made a point of saying it because I know some people, they hear sometimes what you don't say and they hear something that you really didn't say. Exactly. And, they, and I think so many people have expressed, not the way you described it now, but in the past, 
so many people have heard that from from airy fairy you know teachers or gurus and because of that there's a meaning link everything that we're saying right now whether we like it or not is in the context of a version of that that was heard in some other way shape or form and that's why that one I really want you know you didn't say it that way but I want, yeah. want to nail that home for people because I think that's another thing we we need to be aware and that's another example of our psychology we have so much going on in our heads for better or worse that to me, I think it's always in our best interest to understand our own human psychology and our human nature as a strategic um, leveraging point for a better life, hence the five minutes a day. Because like, let's be honest, an hour of gratitude a day would also be awesome, but we have a lot going on in our lives. <clears throat> We're impatient. We've got responsibilities. If you can do an hour, awesome, but you can't because you don't got time for it. So why even, why do 15 minutes and then be pissed off for 45 when you can do five clean minutes and really get what you need and get everything that you need and then move on with your day. Yeah. For me, that's worked just fine and things have happened wonderfully. Yeah. So I, um, I, I, I think that it, it really does. I mean, I, in real estate, we talk about like whatever you focus on expands and that is really, really true. So mm -hmm. is there, um, is there, so in both of your books, I want to kind of move on to your other book because I, I love this book so much. Um, what inspired you to write the, the three words to sell 100,000 uh, copies of books? And I, I want to say, I'm not going to say the three words that mm -hmm. you uh, used, but they were definitely not the three words I thought. So what, it, what made you write this book? Yeah, and just for clarity, in case people are wondering, the three words are not law of attraction. Um, <laughs> so <clears throat> it's actually pretty funny. The last law of attraction book you ever need to read, obviously it's sold over 100,000 copies now. And I'm a person that I believe in, you know, sharing your success, getting people on board, letting them know what's going on, because you never know when you might inspire someone to give it a try because it's sold 50,000 or 75,000 or whatever. In any case, on the way to sharing that news, I kept getting people like, Andrew, how are you selling all these books? Like, what are you doing? And I kept getting on phone calls with people, not charging them um, and explaining things and like basically laying out the whole strategy, which, by the way, in my humble opinion, can be replicated by any nonfiction author whose work helps people do something, learn something, accomplish something or solve a problem or challenge in their lives. And I, it's like rather than getting on these calls with people or having the, the uncomfortable thing of like, I've got to charge you like a thousand bucks here, I'm going to write a book. And now it's only going to cost you four bucks on Kindle if you really want to know. So it's really just about getting that info out there because a lot of people are curious, which told me that there was a need in the marketplace and I just want to satisfy it. I was inspired to put that out there. And the funny thing about the book, I, you know me, I always go meta and I try to do more, a lot of things at once. It is targeted towards that nonfiction author, but I also try to make it like a sales and marketing book in disguise, where even if you don't have a book, you can hopefully ideally still take the strategies, the organic marketing strategies that don't cost money and modify them and tweak them towards whatever business, whatever product, whatever service you might be having. Again, under the heading that it helps people learn something, do something, achieve something, or solve a problem or challenge in their lives. So actually, when I was reading your book, and I, I think that there's so many of us that can say, oh, I'd love to write a book. I'd love to write a book, or I have a book in me. And then we're not really doing anything about it. Number one, your book really inspires you to get that going because you, again, give so many simple, easy, understandable things to do while writing your book. Like you really talk about the details of writing a book too, from like, you know, cover to the back cover, like from cover to cover, really, and all the content in between and 
how to be very intentional about how you're doing it. But what I actually noticed um, for me, I do not have a book to sell. But what I actually noticed is how applicable your content was and what you were giving to literally anybody who was selling a product. And what I mean is like a service. I'm a coach. I have programs that I offer. So it literally applied to anything that you could offer out there that would help your readers. Um, Yeah. So share a little bit because you engage a lot with your audience. So share a little bit about what your intention was there. Yeah. Well, first of all, thank you for that compliment. And, you know, it's interesting because again, I I know what it's like to sell info products and I know it's like to to sell something other than books. And again, it was in disguise. It was, it's under the radar. I, I never, I don't think I ever overtly said it, but for example, one of the chapters in the book is how to title your book. And, you know, to give a little thing away, you know, we don't have time to give the whole thing away, even if I wanted to. Um, I think a lot of times people want their book title to sound cool and they don't realize going, going back to human psychology. They don't even admit, they don't, they have to admit this to themselves when they want their book out. They actually care about how they look to their friends and family. This is a social mm. thing. It's not just about money. It's not just about the business for their book. They want their book to make them look cool. And I'm like, listen, if you're a nonfiction author, at least you want your book to sound useful, meaning is your book title, or if you want to move this over to your product title, is it actually answering for the end user in the title itself? What's in it for them if they get it? And it's a lot of things that people don't actually think like, even look at these titles here. There is even one has the word you, which makes it a little bit clearer. One has I, and yet still the implied thing of three words I use to sell a hundred thousand books is really, this is for someone who wants to sell a hundred thousand books because I'm showing you how I did it. But the implied understanding is that you can model this for yourself. What is in it? for your end user, for your reader, for your viewer, for whatever it might be that you can express in the title, or if not, even though it should be, even the subtitle or something that lets them know right away within three seconds. Because people is, people have the attention span. 25 years ago, they had the attention span of a gnat, thanks to MTV. It's even worse now. And MTV is not even, they don't even play videos anymore. So it's like crazy. Like you were competing with, you're competing with angry spouses. You're competing with that email that they've got to write to the boss. You're competing with Netflix. You're you're not just competing with your competitors. You're competing with everyone that takes the attention span of your prospect. So you've got to let them know in just a couple of seconds. And when you can do that, that's when magic really happens. And you can see I've done that by design in the book, in the cover design, in the title and things like that. So that's one example that I really want to give for people that if they only really lean into that, they really will surprise themselves with the kind of power that they'll have in their ability to market and sell whatever they have. So thank you for that. Um, I want to ask you one last thing because it is probably what stands out the most for me with you personally. You and I are friends and we chat outside of these conversations and we've interacted. And one of the things that allowed me to interact with you so much, number one, you're very easy to talk to, approach, have a conversation with, and you interact with all of your readers on a lot of different platforms in a lot of different ways. And And I feel that that was very intentional on your part. And it was a huge part. I think that, I think, honestly, I think that's just who you are. Um, I happen to be that kind of person that just interacts with everybody and makes them feel very safe and comfortable to come interact. But you intentionally really, really go out, like you above and beyond interact with your readers and people that comment on your book, or can you share a little bit about what you're doing there and why that's so important to you? 
thank you. Well, I mean, again, I, I appreciate the compliment. Uh, I go with the understanding of there's there's the golden rule and the platinum rule. You know, golden rules treat others how you, you'd want to be treated and the platinums treat others how they would want to be treated. And I kind of try to do a combination because I don't know exactly how others want to be treated all the time, but I take my own personal self-knowledge and try to use that. So I kind of like try to have this golden platinum rule. And I think part of that is people knowing that if they need if they need help or if they reach out to me with a question, they're going to get a reply. And, and so far I've done it. Like, again, I've, I've got a hundred thousand plus readers under my belt now, and, and there will come a point where I won't be able to hold that up. But, but I guess, you know, just for people that feel like it's overwhelming, I have the luxury in the sense that I have literally structured my business and my day to be able to do this. Like some people, some people do sales calls all day and they don't have that same opportunity. So I, I recognize as I answer this, that people don't always have the opportunity, but if you don't, then you probably want to think of what's another way that you can serve or help or be there for, for your end user, for your, for, you know, your reader, your audience, whatever it might be. But yeah, for me, it's very intentional because I want people to have a really positive experience because I know when, if they do have a positive experience with me and I know to be egotistical, I know that my stuff works. If they have a positive experience with me, they're going to be all the more motivated to actually try what I teach. And because what I teach works, they're going to get a result. And then the result is going to lead to positive impact for them. They're going to recommend this stuff to other people who will also be treated well by me, who will also have a positive experience. So this is just like an, a strategic upward trajectory of giving value in any way, shape, shape or form. Part of the value isn't just in putting out the book. It's in the supporting the book and supporting the reader in a way that bolsters their enthusiasm and then injects and infuses a level of momentum into the growth of that book. And it's this upward cycle of everything touching everything else, everything supporting everything else, but simultaneously everything being independent of everything else, where if I don't answer people on that one platform, I've, and I've done this, I, I have someone that messages people and they say, hey, listen, they literally tell them like, Andrew doesn't see messages here, but if you want him, you could email him here. And that way, like it's all in one day. Like I have, I have, I have a person in certain social media, they refunnel people to the one spot where I can handle it. That way I'm not handling a million apps at once. So I'm answering, helping people from all the apps, but I've strategically figured out a way to funnel it in. And people, you always want to be thinking of how can I take what I know about my own energy, my own bandwidth, my own capacity for burnout, my own enthusiasm, my own just being, and how can I take my knowledge of that and make the best of the situation in a way that's serving people in a way that's not compromising my health or my sanity in any way, shape or form. That's a really good point because it's very easy for you to kind of burn out. But you know, when I was listening to you say that, number one, one, the number one reason why anybody is or should be writing a book, especially one that's benefiting others, like it's not a novel, it's not fiction, it's nonfiction. So if you are writing something to benefit or to teach somebody something, it makes the most sense to make it very easy for them to learn. And we're not going to learn anything or we're not going to be excited to learn, number one, if what you're teaching isn't working. But if it isn't easy to read, we always, we want easy. We want easy, we want comfortable, we want enjoyable. And you've been able to master all of that. Your book is, both of them are very easy to read as well as listen to because I'm somebody who listens to it. But it's very easy to implement everything because uh, you're very supportive throughout the book. But then just like you said, you know, you have your YouTube channel, you have, uh, you know, you, you reach out to people when they leave a review on your, on your platforms, all of the different platforms, and you're, you're personally replying to people, which makes us feel very connected to you. Because I think there is um, magic that happens when you connect to the content. And then when you connect to the person who's given the content, it's 
very much like in any sales. I'm a realtor. People can hire any realtor, but they're going to come to me because of the connection they have personally with me. And you do that very well, even through the words of your book and then all the extra stuff that you offer. Sorry, guys, for my raspy voice. I'm like, <clears throat> no worries. Let's but, just speak yeah. on that real quick because I, I know um, I know you're, there's limited time in, in your show. Yeah. Um, again, everyone does their own thing, but I'm very intentional in the sense like I don't, I'm not trying to make myself a star. And anyone that wants to be a star, more power to you. But the reason I say this is because I do have a YouTube channel and it's called Andrew Cap. But the key and, and then my mentality is the, there's actually two stars of that channel and neither of them are me. One star is the audience, obviously. The audience is a star because it's about them. But the other star is the book. You know, and, and the book as as in, you know what I mean? It's like the book can't sign autographs. So no one wants an autograph from the book. You know what I mean? It's like they're by by not being a star, but by putting myself out there, I'm finding a way of of making sure that when people reach out to me, it's not just because they want a piece of of Andrew, but because there's a real genuine need and there's no genuine need because I'm already giving enough everything else and there's no need. So like, you know, a hundred thousand people bought the book, but hopefully because the book did such a good job of of explaining things. And again, because I put so much in YouTube, 100,000 people aren't reaching out to me. Because if 100,000 people did reach out, then I'd be like, okay, that's it, I'm out. I can't, I can't reply to that many. So part of this is about a strategic, strategic way of presenting yourself and your content in a way that you are serving and you're being manageable and, and you're just, you're, you're kind of guiding the value in a way that's going to work in the most abundant way possible. And I say that as if it's like, you know, yeah, just do that. I know it's not easy. It's something you grow into. It's something in your own business that you learn, you make mistakes, you reply to an email, and then you look back, you're like, I didn't mean to be rude, but it probably sounded rude and you regret it. And you like, there are, there's, this is an imperfect process and I'm still imperfectly going through it. So just understand, as I say this stuff, I realize that for some people, it's not simple. It's not, well, it is simple, but it's not easy. It all comes down to putting in the reps and doing it every day and just having the intention of serving. And that will allow ideas and that will allow approaches and strategies and methods to find their way to you, whether they're internal or external, so that you can make a bigger impact on the people around you. Well put, well put. And that was a really good way of saying all that. So first of all, I want to thank you so much for taking time out to share this Wednesday morning with me and my audience and your audience. And I invite anybody and everybody to read both of these books over and over. They literally will change your life. Uh, there's just no way that you can implement these things and it doesn't change your life. From the time that I met Andrew, maybe two years ago till now, so much has changed in my life directly resulting from doing just the small little daily practices that he shares in his book. And there are so many different different techniques. It's almost impossible for <clears throat> several of them to not like just suit exactly you and your personality and your lifestyle. So Andrew, can you share, because I know that you have a few programs that you do also, Gravity of the Cosmos. Um, just share with us a little bit real, very quickly on how you work with people and where they can find you and where they can get copies of your book easily and tell us all the things. Yeah, th thank you so much, Pratiti. Um, I mean, just to answer real quick about Gravity of the Cosmos, it's it's a 90-day program where, again, I understand human nature and I understand people have trouble doing even five minutes a day. So it's a situation where every day they get an email from me that links to a video that goes through both either a law of attraction lesson or guiding them through 
a method or a combination of both so that they get 90 consecutive days of momentum, whether you want to call it vibrational and energetic or psychological. Um, I don't, I mean, people can learn about it and, and they can get it without the book, but most people, like I, I say, like read the book first or listen to the book first, because then that's how you know whether the program is right for you. Not that it's ever a requirement. Um, an easy way to find me is just going to awesomemarvelous.com because that's got links to um, both books that will, it'll forward to the Amazon listings of, of each books. And it's got a link to my YouTube channel. But by that same token, you can find either of these books, the last law of attraction book you'll ever need to read or three words I used to sell 100,000 books just by searching your local regional Amazon or Audible or the audiobooks on Apple Books. So if you're not in the United States, just searching there will get it. But but whether you get my free content or you pull out your wallet, it really is my intention that my content serves you in some way, shape or form and in the way that's most appropriate for you. I just want to, um, first of all, I just put in the comments, um, the awesomemarvelous.com. So if anybody wants to go to it, you can just click right there. And I also want to share with you, there's a gal on, happens to be on live listening to us. And she is one of my close friends. She's been a client. She's been a student of mine for uh, uh, a year. And she has also listened to your book several times. And she says, thank you, both of us for this live. I appreciate you sharing. Andrew, I want to express my appreciation for your book. You were a big part of my life, personal development journey, and I use your methods every day. Your methods are now, whoops, a basic staple of my self-care and regulation. So thank you so much for that, Tammy. Wow, well, um, Tammy, thank you. Amazing. I really appreciate that. Yeah. So thank you so much, Andrew. I appreciate you so much, and I appreciate what you're putting out there in the world. And thank you for just guiding us through, you know, sometimes challenging moments in our lives and how to navigate through them with gratitude and setting the right intentions for yourself because it really does make a difference when you're in a grateful state of mind, state of being, it really just increases the energy and the positive vibrational energy that's in your body. And of course, you can't vibrate on a very high level and attract negative stuff. So keep vibrating on high levels, everyone. And if you need help with that on certain days, jump into a, a chapter of the books and it'll get you where you need to be. Thank you so much for TD. And you know, it's it's not always easy, at least in the beginning, but it is simple. And when you make it simple, it becomes easy. So I give like it a shot. That. You'll see what happens. I like that so much. All right, guys. Happy Wednesday. Go get your go get the rest of your week on. Bye bye. Thank you for listening to Unpacking Brain Drama Podcast. You'll find links for all the things mentioned below in the show notes. And it would be incredibly awesome if you would take a quick moment to leave a review on iTunes or wherever you listen. If you'd like to be considered as a guest on our podcast, be sure to go to www.resultsbydesigncoaching.com for a free 30-minute coaching session. Thanks so much, guys. See you next time.